This is the Tallahassee Business Podcast, brought to you by the Greater Tallahassee Chamber of Commerce. Thank you to our sponsor, 223 Agency, a digital relations firm helping you maximize and develop your digital footprint. Check them out on the web at 223agency.com. Without further ado, enjoy this episode of the Tallahassee Business Podcast. Hey there, Tallahassee. Jay Revel here. Welcome to another edition of the Tallahassee Business Podcast. This week, we are bringing you a very special episode in which we're presenting the recording of a recent Access Tallahassee Power Lunch conversation that we had with a brilliant individual. His name is Matthew Kobach. He is uh, the one of the most brilliant experts in social media in the world today. His understanding of the scope and power and ability of the digital platforms that every company should be using to promote and inform their brand is just outstanding. Uh, you'll get to hear a little bit more during an introduction I made uh, when we started that program. But we're going to turn the episode over here in just a few seconds. You'll hear me introduce Matt and you'll hear this wonderful conversation that we had an engaging talk with them about how social media can be used to develop and promote your brand both as an individual and as a business. I hope you enjoy this very much. We're joined by Matthew Kobach, and Matthew is uh, the director of content for a new company called Fast. He's also the former manager in, of digital and social media for the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, through his career, he's been a, a social media marketer. Matt has created quite the personal brand for himself. Uh, Adweek recently named him one of the top 100 most inspiring minds in marketing, media, and culture. I came across Matt on Twitter some months ago and have been just enthralled by his guidance, his wit, and creativity on display there. I think it's safe to say that he's developed uh, a, a certain mastery of using Twitter and other channels in the social media repertoire to advance a message. We brought him here to Tallahassee, virtually, of course, uh, to talk about building a personal brand, uh, developing a career through community building, and utilizing social media to do both of those things. So uh, without further ado, Matt, welcome uh, to Tallahassee of sorts. How are you doing these days? Thank you. Uh, I'm great, and there's no way that I live up to that introduction. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to set everyone's expectations significantly lower, okay, just so we're, just so you guys know. Hey, we you know set the bar low. You can walk right over. We're, we're we know the Mo motto to my life. <laughs> you know, uh, before we dive into really the bulk of the conversation, Matt, I'd love for you to maybe share a couple of quick thoughts about your new company, uh, Fast. Mm -hmm. It's got certainly a a catchy name, but maybe can you give everyone yeah. a synopsis of what that? I'm, I'm wearing be? it too. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm full in. I've drank in the Kool Aid, or as you guys apparently say, the lemonade. So. Uh, I recently started this new position. It's I've only been here a month or maybe not even. And uh, what they want to do is create a, an internet that doesn't require a million passwords. It doesn't require you to log in. doesn't require you to fill out fields over and over and over again. So we're soon to release our first product and that will be a checkout product. And a simple way to explain it is, you know how easy it is to buy stuff on Amazon? You know, you got that button, you just click it. Imagine that for every website. So that's what we're releasing. And we really want to democratize online selling for places that aren't, aren't Amazon. Um, and then we'll kind of, you know, 
take it from there, if you will. I don't want to give too much away. But you can imagine any scenario where you have to prove who you are online or have to fill out any forms. We want to be part of that process and we want to take away all the friction and all the pain. Uh, so when I heard about the company, it was it was something that like I, it really resonated with me. And it seemed like, you know, when someone kind of mentions it, it's like, yes, this part of the Internet is broken and no one has fixed it. Um, and so it was a, a message that just really resonated. And, and I wanted to, you know, be a part of building something. Yeah, that's super cool. I, you know, it, it certainly resonates with me, as I'm sure everyone else on here. Just the other night, I was sitting on the couch, my wife trying to download a new app on our Apple TV and just, you know, trying to fumble through passwords and emails was just a really a hot mess. And it gets you so frustrated, you just rather just turn the thing off. So can't wait to see what that what that interface looks yeah. like. Very cool. It, it honestly it happened to me last night. I was trying to buy something and I, I just like I didn't feel like getting my credit card. And I and I just said, eh, I'll buy it later. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully I remember to buy it later, at least for that company, for my, for my wallet, it's probably better that I don't remember. Yeah, well, it, that's but. it. I mean, any, any kind of hindrance can really turn you off in a hurry, but uh, yeah. I, I think everybody will be very excited to see what that looks like. Um, it's, it's funny too. And I, and by the way, I'm the kind of person who gets sidetracked and goes down rabbit holes. So if you need to <laughs> reel me back in, feel free. Um, but I was thinking about this product and I don't want to just talk about fast the entire time, uh, but thinking about of brands in general and thinking about buying stuff like the brands that are the most successful are the ones that reduce as much friction as possible into buying something so that can mean digitally it can mean someone like amazon who has all your shipping address has your credit card address and that you can order through uh, a simple one click you know it's you would rather go to amazon to buy the same product if you have to enter in all the other stuff somewhere else even if you have to probably pay a little more at this point uh, but then also physically you're going to buy a Snickers bar if you're craving a candy bar because it's everywhere. Uh, and so it's this idea that like when you make things easier to buy, people buy them. And so it feels like we're, uh, and like that's no secret to, to marketing, to advertising, to sales. You know, you have to have your stuff everywhere to, um, and easy, easily accessible to buy it. And it feels like we're kind of part of that way of thinking. So, uh, um, I don't know why I felt the need to say that, but I was reading something this morning and it reminded me of that. So I wanted to just kind of talk about how it applies to, you know, no matter what you're selling. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think that, is, you know, it's a great set of points there. Um, yeah. I sit there, you're talking about branding, the power of brands, you know, ease of getting through things. Uh, I was really struck by a post you shared the other day that was sort of a chronicle, I guess, or a reflection of your recent job change and, and sort of the arc of your career you've been on. And so I thought maybe to kind of kick things off here, I'd read some of the highlights of that post, and then maybe you can just share some insights from that description. Uh, you said, quote, I, I still remember the feeling I had when I first stepped foot on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. I thought, how in the hell did they let me in here? I was never interested in finance. I didn't have a desire to work on Wall Street, and I wasn't 100% certain how the New York Stock Exchange even worked. But I did, or, but I just did what I knew how to do, learned as much as I could, and tried to continuously venture outside of my comfort zone. And now that my time at the New York Stock Exchange is over, that's the mentality I've taken with me to my next role with FAST. You just kind of reflect on that journey a little bit. You know, a lot of our people that we have on here today are young professionals or people who are just maybe still in the earlier phases of their career and trying to set a a path for themselves and, and, and like to both try to establish a personal brand and work for powerful brands. Yeah. So 
Uh, I'll give you the secret to how I got that job. Uh, the secret is I reduced competition by applying for a job that did not look desirable. So we all know the New York Stock Exchange. We probably don't know that the company that there's a company that owns the New York Stock Exchange. And that company is called Intercontinental Exchange. And no one wakes up in the morning going, I'm dying to work for Intercontinental Exchange. It's a great company. I have no, you know, I, 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 I have no ill will towards them, but they're not something, you know, they don't have a product that we as consumers use every day. They, they haven't been around for 230 years. So the best, uh, the way that I got my foot in the door at this company is I saw, a, I, you know, I was going through job openings and saw this one for Intercontinental Exchange that said, you will head up our social and digital media for a portfolio of exchanges. Kind of did a little research. I found out that they're an energy exchange and they do financial products, so like fixed income and a bunch of boring stuff. You know, it wasn't super exciting. But then I also noticed that they own the New York Stock Exchange and they'd recently just purchased them, maybe a few months before I got the job. And so I applied, I got like the first round of interviews and I asked, I remember during that first set of interviews, I kind of said, hey, um, you know, like, I, what's exactly the role here? Like what, when you say I'll, I'll be the manager for the portfolio of exchanges, like what exchanges does that include? And, and it sounds like you just have one energy exchange is gonna be separate. And, and uh, she said, oh, I guess it's not really clear in the description, is it? Primarily, you'll be doing the social media for the New York Stock Exchange. And that was really what I wanted to hear. That was, that was great news, because that's what I wanted to do. But I found this opportunity that wasn't really well advertised. So had I gone to Google or Netflix or tried to apply for one of those jobs, I would have been one of another, you know, thousand other people that are completely qualified. But because I was able to do a little research and found out that I could kind of backdoor into an amazing brand, I reduced my competition significantly. I, I in hindsight, not hindsight, but after I kind of was there for a little bit and, and became friends with HR, I asked him about it and it was between me and one person. So instead of, you know, having a one in a thousand chance, I had a one in two chance. And, uh, and then I further cemented that chance on, after that first interview I had, uh, I went and analyzed their social media and wrote a social media plan for them. And I said like, here's what you guys are doing right now. Here's what people are talking about you. I took old skill sets, I, I took skill sets I had from previous jobs, applied it to there and just sent it to them. And it didn't even matter if it was right or good. It didn't even matter if I did it. I don't even think I did most of the stuff I sent them. It was just the fact that they're like, wow, look at this guy who's after one interview is taking the initiative to do all this stuff and he's doing it for free. Imagine what he would do for us if we actually pay him. And, uh, and again, talking to HR after the fact, like once I did that, it was, it was my job to lose. Um, so that's how I ended up there. And when I did, I made sure, you know, I kind of started thinking about my personal brand and thinking about like, how do I want to be perceived? And then how can I also leverage what I currently have, uh, you know, to maximize what I'm doing. And so this is around this time, Snapchat kind of comes, comes to uh, be popular and they were a private company and we wanted to woo them. We wanted Snapchat to list on the New York Stock Exchange. So one way to do that was to be a really big power user of Snapchat. And so I pitched our company on using it and, um, and Snapchat at the time, you had to take photos and videos through your phone. Now you can upload them separately, but at the time it was, if you didn't take it through the app, you couldn't post it. 
So I pitched our head of comms and a head of marketing on like, hey, let me be the face. Let me like, I can interview CEOs, I can interview celebrities, I can talk to, you know, I can give kind of a play-by-play, break down complex financial transactions. And they liked it. They said, great, like, we think you should do it. And so I was able to kind of leverage that and to, um, you know, I, I became known as the NYSE Snapchat guy. Uh, no one knew my name, but they knew me as that. Like it, it would be people would come visit the exchange and, and, and say that. So it was one of those like, wasn't really a nickname, but everyone just called me that. And, uh, and that led to some, then some media outlets noticing it and picking up on it, uh, doing a few stories on it. And so I was able to, to kind of, you know, see the hand that I was dealt and figure out how to play it best. And then uh, fast forward like another year, a few years, I kind of started thinking like, all right, I know all these ways to use social media, especially Twitter. Uh, Twitter is just the platform I, I prefer, I like most. So I started taking like, all right, let me see what I could do to build my own personal brand on Twitter, taking everything I know about branding. And I really just took the stuff that works for brands or that was working for me and I just applied it to my own profile and built it up that way. And that's how, you know, the ad week thing happened and how I got my next job and um, how I've been able to, to build a following. And the best part about a following is opportunities now come to me as opposed to vice versa. So I, I've got um, a very enviable problem in that people want to work with me or want to do stuff because I've been able to build a community on Twitter. Uh, that's a brilliant uh, way to sum up that strategy. I think, you know, that's where I found you first was you know, on Twitter. And it's funny, I watched a, a great conversation that you and David Perel had recently about how to crush it on Twitter. And mm-hmm. once you were walking through some of those strategies of sort of how you devise your tweets to catch and hold people's attention, it really made so much more sense as to why I stopped when I saw that in my feed the first time, you know, that you, you do a brilliant job of, of really uh, uh, artfully crafting, you know, tweets, you know, only a, a few characters here and there uh, in the wrong place and you might keep scrolling, but they, they, they're really well put together and the writing is incredible. And so I thought for the uh, bulk of today's conversations, we might try a little bit of an experiment and, see if it works out. I, I went back over just the last 30 days uh, of your Twitter feed and pulled some of my favorites that you've published. And again, folks, if you don't follow Matt uh, on Twitter, I would highly, highly encourage you to go out and do that because you're going to find a whole lot of wisdom in there. So I thought we'd give Matt a chance to maybe dive in and uh, give us a little bit more insight into some of these tweets and some of the uh, expertise that he's sharing with the world for free on Twitter every day. So uh, I'm going to start, we'll jump right in with one that, that really uh, caught my attention. thought this was great and very relevant, I think, for our audience. Uh, you said, the secret to building your confidence, attempt difficult things, accomplish some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you want me to just riff on that? Yeah, yeah. Too, yeah. Uh, so I think we don't attempt things because we're worried we might fail and you know it seems like a lot of work and you don't really know what the outcome is going to be but once you do it a few times you realize that the value isn't in succeeding or failing it's in the trying it's in the doing so uh, i'll give a really weird example uh i am a like I, i like to stay fed i like to stay active Uh, I'm not really good at like doing lunges and squats like that stuff like my body just whatever didn't didn't 
I didn't do it when I was young enough or for whatever reason, I just suck at it. And so I found a, like a, a, a kind of a Pilates machine class that does it, that focuses on it. And I took it once and I was horrible. I was so bad at it. And it was like, this is the exercise I need. This is the thing that I've got to do because I'm so bad at it. And so there's people in the class who are so much better than me and, and still so much better than me. And I've been doing it for a few years now. Uh, but the fact that I can now, you know, do a squat significantly easier, or do lunges a lot easier uh, or planks or whatever it might be, uh, makes me feel that much more confident. And, and like, it's honestly, it's in this little domain, but it spreads to bigger parts of your life. It just it, it spreads to how you carry yourself when you're walking down the street. It, it, it carries on to having conversations like this. It uh, extends to job interviews and any of that stuff. And so the more that you kind of just keep pushing your boundaries, the more confidence you get, the better you feel. The, the, the people I'm, I'm, and I have no evidence to back this up, but I'm willing to bet that the people that lack confidence are the people that aren't trying to accomplish new things on a regular basis. So like always try something new. And if you are horrible at it, you're supposed to, you just started out, you were horrible at everything when you first started. And it's really how I, how I started uh, every, every job I've had. I started a business. I had no idea how to start a business, but I figured it out. Um, I had no idea what the New York Stock Exchange did. I thought it was a government owned entity. I thought it was like an organization. I didn't know. I, you know, it's like stocks. Yeah, why would someone own who can buy stocks? But someone does. Uh, so like just all of a sudden realizing like I've got to get a lot better on what it means, uh, you know, what, what the equity exchanges are. And then figuring out all the other stuff that Intercontinental Exchange did, which was energy and commodities and, and all this other stuff. Uh, and then now it's with this new company. I, I took a job at a startup, a, a tech startup because I'd never worked there before and I wanted to. And I just wanted to kind of like cross that off my list. I wanted to say like, all right, I've worked here and you know, succeed or fail, I still did it. Um, and so I'm hoping I succeed, but I want to succeed in all the things that I do, but it's not the end of the world if you don't, because you're still able to, to uh, have that confidence even if you don't succeed. So I just, there's so much value in always trying new things and it doesn't have to be a new job. Like I said, it can be a new workout routine. I did the same thing jogging, uh, you know, maybe like 15 years ago or something. I was a horrible jogger. I'd go like a block and be out of breath and think this is the worst exercise I've ever done. And now I run like five miles a day. Um, well, how about, oh, okay, not every day and I've gotten <laughs> worse at it, but at one point I was doing that. Uh, just because you just kind of kept doing it. You kind of kept getting better at it. And you kind of get over this hump at some point when you're doing something difficult, where then it becomes enjoyable. And like, that's the, like that feeling you can't replicate. You can't win it by lottery. You can't have it just show up one day. Like the only way you have that feeling of accomplishing something or that like when you're running and it doesn't hurt anymore is by spending six months every day running. And, uh, and, and that's the reason I love it is there's no way to fake that feeling. It's like you have to put in the work to have it. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, and that's a good segue too into this next one, uh, which, you know, you were speaking earlier about community building and the importance of using that as a strategy to develop brand, both personal and, and even if you're working with a company. But you said one year ago today, I decided to see if I could build a community from scratch. Mostly, I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. So I decided to take what I knew about community building and apply it to my personal Twitter handle. Seems like it's working out pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so that was, I, I made, so I wrote that a couple months ago. I was still working at the New York Stock Exchange and I started my Twitter presence in like maybe May of 2019. 
So I'd always had a Twitter. I just wasn't deliberate about it. And so at that time, I made the decision, all right, I'm going to be deliberate with what I post and, and what my objectives are. And it really was to see like, all right, you know, because I'd, I'd gotten all these like accolades for building the New York Stock Exchange social media. Uh, and I always kind of wondered like, all right, like I, I didn't really feel like I did all that much that was special. You know, it, it's this, it's this uh, uh, entity that everyone knows. It's 230 years old. So it's like, how hard is it to market that actually? And, and I remember I went to a comedy show once, uh, maybe it was around this time and maybe this is what, now that I'm thinking back on it, gave me this uh, existential crisis that I needed to try this on my own personal. But I was sitting in the front row and you know they're talking to the crowd and the guy's like, all right, what are you doing? And I said, I do marketing for the New York Stock Exchange. And you know he kind of laughs and says, everyone here who's heard of the New York Stock Exchange, raise your hand. And everyone in the audience raises their hand. He's like, look, you're done. You've got the easiest job in the world. And so I was kind of worried that like, all right, I'm, I'm posting stuff, but could anybody be posting this? Like, is there anything special about what I'm doing that was able to build this social media? Uh, so that's when, and I couldn't, you know, I was still working there. So I, you know, I didn't have another entity to, to do it except for myself. So that's when I decided like, all right, let me figure out the things that work on, on for businesses and apply it to myself. And let's see if I can build a community around me and around the ideas and around these topics that I'm interested in. And, you know, with a, with a, a little bit of skill and a lot of bit of luck, it, it worked out for me. And it's kind of been this, um, you know, this crazy momentum ever since. Like it, I had, a, I had a, certainly some good luck early on. I got retweeted by Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, um, and had a few posts go viral kind of early on. But those were, they didn't really give me a lot of followers, but it gave me that confidence. It gave me that like uh, willpower to keep going. It was like the perfect hit of endorphin that like, oh, this is fun. This is kind of working. I'm headed in the right direction. So I'm just going to keep going down this path. And uh, yeah, here we are 16 months later, wherever it is, talking to you fine people. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, I love this one. You said, want better friendships, become a better friend. Want a great significant other, become a great significant other. Want more interesting opportunities, become more interesting. You attract what you are. What, uh, what do you think people can learn from a statement like that? I, so I think in another life, I would have been like a relationship coach or, or something along those lines. I find that stuff really interesting. And I actually, uh, in, a, in my actual past life, I was working on a PhD and it was, uh, I, I used, uh, I, I talked about attraction in, in the PhD. I didn't actually finish it. I'm a PhD dropout for everyone do you know I don't want any don't call me doctor or anything um and I was talking about attraction so and, and attraction relationships and all this stuff and I found it really interesting and what you find is you have people that again kind of want these shortcuts like I want a great significant other I want you know like I want to meet the perfect person and it's like are you the perfect person you know like uh, you want someone who's super fit are you super fit you want someone who's really kind are you really kind uh, you know, you want someone who's super ambitious. Are you kind of laying on the couch right now or are you super ambitious? So you realize that like the best way to get what you want in life and whether it be from relationships or business opportunities or whatever it might be, is you have to become that first. Again, I've gotten opportunities because I put myself out there and luckily people liked, you know, enough people liked what they saw. But I'm sure I annoy plenty of people on Twitter, but you know, who cares? I don't, you know, it's, it, I, I annoy people in my regular life. Uh, but 
again, it's, you know, like I, I you want to, you want to be first become the person that you want to attract. And so you've got to, you know, you know, it's not about what you're doing wrong. Like I, I've got, um, my fiance has a friend who's perpetually single and there's always like an excuse on, on, you know, why the latest relationship didn't work out, but it's always outward looking. It's never inward looking. And if she would just spend six months, you know, getting all this right, she would attract such a better quality person. Uh, but, you know, you can kind of, you know, scream at someone and tell them this, but they just have to come to that realization on their own. Like, I, I wish I could, I want to like shake her and just say like, you know, do some reading and some meditating or whatever it might be, you know, she, but, you know, nothing you can do about it. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, I like this one a lot too. You said that the biggest secret to building an engaged audience on social media Get good at something and use social media to teach it to other people. Hmm, yeah. The, the accounts that are the most interesting are the ones that are kind of sharing their wisdom. So, and also what, what works well with this. So the way that I started my account, and, and it's kind of uh, expanded a little bit uh, over the past year, was you start really, really narrow. So if you're on social media, you want to build a following, you get as specific as you can. You're not interested in art. You're interested in 1950 to 54 American art, you know, like that, that you get that specific, that granular and you become the expert in that you become the person who's the only person who's talking about that. And it goes that same idea. I'm not one of a thousand now when I'm doing that. I'm one of one. There's no one that can compete with me if I'm this specific. And then you've got to hope that that resonates with some people. Uh, you see this on social media all the time. You've got like, and this is really depressing if you do social media professionally, is you'll see people that, and it's, God, this is this dumbest account I saw the other day. I think it's fish. It's this guy flipping off fish. So literally he gives the finger to fish and it's got like a hundred thousand followers. But the reason it has a hundred thousand followers, obviously it's a good enough gag that people like it, but it's consistent. It's this so specifically narrow thing. And there's hundreds of accounts like this or thousands or tens of thousands. There's somewhat, there's an artist who draws celebrities sitting on sandwiches. Again, super specific, super silly, but that's why that works. And so you've got to get, and so when you're thinking about your personal brand, you've got to get that specific and that granular. So for me, it was, uh, I was talking about social media in, a, in an honest way, in, in a way that I had a little authority because I've been doing it for several years when there was a lot of, uh, I'll say charlatans, for lack of a better word, talking about how to do social media where maybe in 20, or, you know, 2008, uh, their, their stuff was working or these ideas were working and they've kind of perpetuated for the past 10 years or so when really there's been a lot of updates, the algorithms have changed and we've learned a lot more. And so some of their stuff was outdated and I was able to just kind of have a matter of fact tone, which uh, that was just inherent to who I was. It was just kind of the way I communicate. So that matter of fact tone with uh, information that, uh, you know, went in the face of what other people were saying uh, and that people kind of, that people that did social media professionally it was like, yes, this is, you know, like it spoke to them. It, it felt true. And so it was really easy for them to retweet it, to share it, to like it, to follow me because they understood that I understood who they were, what they were going through. And then as I kind of got some momentum there, I, you know, some of the tweets that you're reading is, is I, I just kind of like thinking about life and how to be better and happier and all that stuff. And that's just, again, something that's inherent to me. 
uh, that I like. And so I was able to kind of slowly introduce that stuff into my Twitter feed. And, and to be honest, a lot of it, I apply to social media. So to even use that, like, if you want a better spouse, be a better spouse. If you want a better friend, be a better friend. If you want better followers, like be a better brand. If you want people more passionate about you, be more passionate. And so you can apply all these like really big life lessons that by the way, aren't mine. I'm stealing them from people significantly smarter and wiser than me. I'm probably just repackaging them and probably just plagiarizing them. Uh, but you can take these ideas that have been around for thousands of years and to put them into a modern context and, and they just work so beautifully and so perfectly. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. Uh, I like this one a lot here too. And this is, you know, some of your tweets are so short and sweet and to the point they're, uh, they're really powerful though. Uh, have flexible goals supported by inflexible habits. Talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit. Yeah, so I, I, I don't really like specific goals. So let's use weight loss as an example. Let's say I wanna drop 10 pounds. So what happens is I go on a strict diet, I up my working out, and let's say I hit my goal. The problem is the reward shouldn't be the goal. And also you might not be able to lose 10 pounds. Your body just might just say, hey, like five pounds is the max, that's all we're losing. And so when you have goals, you set yourself up to either be disappointed because you didn't hit it or to stop trying to achieve that goal once you do hit it. You know, you hit that 10 pound goal and then all of a sudden you go out to eat and you, you, know, you take a few days off and maybe you get out of that workout routine. So it's not about, you know, and it's the same way with social media. Your goal shouldn't be 100,000 followers. Your goal has to be creating good content. Your goal has to be creating stuff that resonates with your audience. And so your goals are really your habits. So don't make your goal to lose 10 pounds. You make your goal, all right, I'm going to sweat for 30 minutes every day, or I'm going to uh, uh, eat a certain diet six days a week, and then on Sundays I can eat whatever I want. Like once you make that your goal, then everything else kind of takes care of itself. You know, the stuff that you actually want to achieve ends up happening, but you're not focused and you're not kind of frustrated when it doesn't happen as quickly. And then you become in love with the process. You become, you, you start to enjoy this momentum. You start to enjoy this new feeling and, the, and, and um, these like little victories along the way. So I think we're, we're totally, we are what our habits are. And so if we focus on what our habits are, the big goals just end up, you know, they, they happen or they don't happen but you kind of end up being just as happy anyways. Yeah, I love that uh, kind of a real systematic way of uh, tackling the things you want to do in the world. Yeah. Um, well, also too, be before we go on, I want to talk about why it's so important too to have a habit. So, and I just, I'll use fitness as an example. Working out at the gym is half, half of the battle is deciding to go work out. Half the battle is putting on those running shoes and going outside. And if you go, you know what, on every Tuesday and every Thursday and every Sunday, I jog five miles. If you've taken out your ability to say no or to hem and haw or to lay on the couch, you've done half the work already. So we really are like if you create habits and again, same with eating. If you, if you want to eat a healthier diet or same with reading, same with like literally anything that you want to improve. You have to build it into your routine so that you don't have the option to say no. That saying yes is the default to a good habit. Uh, so it, it just, it's such like this secret to, to life that I, I don't think enough people um, you know, take advantage of. Yeah, no doubt, well said. Um, I like this one a lot too, and this was in reference to the work you're doing with Fast, uh, and again, launching a new brand. 
you said, because we are still feeling out our audience and defining our voice, we're testing different kinds of content. I thought maybe you could speak to just how important it is to test different things when you're trying to establish a brand identity. Yeah, so, and this even works too if you are, for even a personal brand. Uh, and I, I, I tweet this every once in a while and I'll get pushback on it. And whatever, I don't, you know, is what it is. I get pushback on stuff all the time. But it's this idea that your audience tells you what they want to hear from you, not the other way around. And what I really mean by that is like, I'm not saying, you know, post stuff to please them. There's obviously a happy medium. There's kind of like, you know, those, uh, I forget what they're called, where you have the circles that overlap. So it's like, you've got what you want to talk about and you got what your audience wants to hear and your sweet spot is, is where they kind of do this. And so what you might find is you have something you want to talk about, but your audience just doesn't care. Or maybe you have a way that you want to deliver that information and your audience just doesn't care. And so your job as a marketer is to figure out like, all right, what is my message? What do I want to say? And how do they want to consume it? Or what, how does this audience, uh, you know, what part of that message do they want to consume? And so you've got to find that overlap. And it's really hard to get that on the first try. And it's really hard to get that even on the second or third try. So what you've got to do is constantly be testing, constantly be improving, and constantly be evolving what you're putting out there. And so, uh, you know, every once in a while, you you get lucky and you get it right in the first try. But if you're posting stuff, especially on social media, and no one's engaging with it, no one's listening to it, I, I don't get the point. You know, like, uh, I'm a marketer. I'm an advertiser. If people are ignoring my content, I failed. Like, my, my whole point is to get my message out there. And so... If I'm putting something out that doesn't resonate, it's my job to figure out how to make it resonate. It's my job to figure out, and this goes for paid or organic. If I'm putting stuff out there and my goal is to get people to click something and no one's clicking, I need to rework that piece of content. So it's marketing and is just this constant, um, you know, making it better and testing out new ways of doing it. I really like this next tweet. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of spaces, uh, a lot of companies that maybe confuse these two things and, and probably more times than not uh, to their detriment. But you said long-term marketing, brand building that endures over time, short-term marketing, sales focus activations that increase revenue. Both are important. Long-term marketing builds brand equity short-term marketing cashes in the equity you've built. Can you talk to kind of that duality and how important it is to have balance between them? Yeah, and, and I'm sure that we all will recognize short-term marketing. And, I'm, and for stuff, I say this and people think I think one's better than the other, I don't. Uh, but I do think on social media, especially in paid, well, I guess only in paid, is you see short-term marketing. And we've all known this. You see a, a Casper ad and it says, buy this mattress right now. And you can do that, like it's, it's a way, but as soon as you stop running those ads, people stop buying your product. And so what you wanna do is you wanna have more evergreen, you wanna supplement those kind of ads with the more evergreen stuff where it's about uh, instilling certain emotional uh, cues with your brand and making sure that there are now different associations with your brand or keeping your brand top of mind. Uh, you can really see this in car ads. So you've got kind of the ones that are really weird and you know, maybe they're, uh, you know, it's not about getting you in the car today. It's just about letting you know that this car exists. And then you've got a more specific car ad that's like, come to the dealership and buy this car today. Both of those are important. 
but you, it's really hard to have the short-term one that come by the car today if you haven't seen all that long-term brand building content leading up to that. And uh, I, I really don't understand why social media marketing doesn't think the same way. So why not have some of that brand building content? Why not have some of that stuff that just makes you feel warm and fuzzy or feel good or you know whatever it might be that isn't like shop now and uh, and it's probably less to do even with the content itself. It's probably more to do with the way that we measure success on social media. So you're gonna imagine going to your CMO or your boss and going, hey, I wanna run $10,000 of Instagram ads this month and our objective is awareness and we have no way to test it. And we also hope that they like us a little more. So it's awareness and affinity, but we're not really gonna know if it's successful or not. Like that is a hard sell especially when you've got someone else who's doing performance marketing that says, all right, I want to spend $10,000. And every time we make a sale, we make $1,000. So as long as we're spending less than $1,000 on each lead, it's successful. Because that way, you know, I, I spend $1, I make two. Uh, but the problem is, as soon as you stop running those ads, it's done. When you do the time, when you put in the time to build a brand over time, you then get some of that, you know, the brand does the selling for you. And that's what we're trying to do with Fast. Uh, you know, like we're releasing a product in a couple of weeks, but that's only going to be a product. There's going to be more products. So what we want to do is, whenever people see that our brand, that they trust us, that they want to use it, that they're excited, that they are asking us what products we're going to come up with next. Uh, it's the same. Like, and you guys can think of uh, tons of brands that do this. It's all your traditional brands. You're going to think of any food brand, uh, any clothing brand. Like Nike doesn't send you ads that say buy this sneaker and click on it and you can have it, like maybe for specific really cool launches, but in general, they're showing you long-term branding stuff. They're making you feel like you're an athlete. They're making you feel like you've got the motivation to take on the world. Uh, and you can say the same with McDonald's. McDonald's never does a swipe up to buy a Big Mac ad. They show you uh, a group of people enjoying, uh, you know, like being happy, surrounded by, you know, like over a meal at McDonald's. They're instilling this long-term value of happiness uh, that their brand instills in you as opposed to something where it's like, buy this right now. I love that. Um, I like this one too. This is a, a very related. An effective social media strategy isn't the one that aims for short-term wins, but instead builds communities to meet long-term goals. Yeah, and that's really an extension of what I was just saying too. You have, uh, and it's really that advertising. So instead of having people, um, you know, click and buy, click and buy, and you're spending ads that way, that isn't sustainable. You want to do something where you've got a topic that you can build around. And some brands are better at this than other. And some, some brands and, and products and industries, uh, it's a more natural fit than others. And I'll just use Fast as an example. We're trying to build a community around this idea that the internet is broken and it's frustrating and that we're here to help solve it. And we wanna have a lot of fun. Like we're trying to get uh, brands to use our product and to, and to use it to sell. So let's have some fun with brands. Let's give away some stuff. Let's have you tag brands. Let's talk about them. Let's have a good time. And in this way, we're ha we have a community of people that are now willing, if, you, if you've been following us, we did this thing where we call our advocates astronauts, and we just drew helmets on them 
And we had like a thousand people want helmets and they're now advocates for us because we've been able to build this community around this issue uh, that they you know, inherently understand and feel the pain of, and then also while celebrating their favorite brands. Uh, it's, you know, like I said, I'm a, we're only a month into it, but it, it blowing my mind how passionate people are about this brand that we're kind of building in public. Yeah, it's very cool. You know, kind of getting into the practicing, right, of, of creating uh, memorable and interesting social media posts. Uh, I like this one you said a lot. You said, having to create social media content can feel overwhelming because the possibilities are endless. Solve this by narrowing your focus, create constraints, determine what you won't post, and always ask yourself, would this content make me jealous if someone else created it? So a lot of, uh, I think a lot of people suffer when they're creating content is that we could talk about our, you know, how great it is to work here and we can talk about the product features and we can talk about the way that we raised money or we can talk about any other million things. And when you try to do all those things, you end up kind of being nothing. So I'm a very inside the box guy. And I guess what I mean by that is I like constraints. Constraints make you more creative. It's the idea of like TikTok, like TikTok was 15 seconds and they have the tools and you make it in there. And you make these amazingly creative videos because of the tools that they allow for and the tools they don't allow for. And so you've got to think the same way as a marketer. Think about if you're stuck on what to do, start with what you won't do and keep refining, refining, refining. And I'll use that art example I, I used earlier. So it's not that you're going to talk about art. You're going to talk about, talk about art from a very specific time period and from a very specific location. Um, yeah, I'll use wine too. You don't want to talk about wine. You want to talk about wine. Not, you don't want to talk about Spanish wine. You want to talk about Spanish wine in this very specific region that you are now the expert on. Like that's how you get domain expertise. That's how you get people following you and passionate about you. So it's always give yourself more constraints. Always tell yourself what you're not going to do. And then, uh, and then you kind of, you know, play around with it. That's when you get to that point. So using the, the wine, I'm gonna only talk about red wine from the specific region in Spain. Maybe it turns out that's a little too specific. So this is, you know, you're putting it out there and you're not really resonating. So that's when you're able to kind of play with other ideas. And this is where the audience tells you what they wanna hear. Maybe they wanna hear about cheese pairings with Spanish wine. And so you can talk about more wines and now you can add cheese. Maybe they uh, only care about Spanish wines. Maybe they want white wines, but you kind of get, you know, that's where you're able to play with some stuff and see what they want to hear while being very specific and kind of playing with the, you know, moving these different levers to see what resonates and what doesn't. Yeah, constant testing. That's a great way to put it. So I'll ask you or, or frame one more up for you here, and then I'm going to turn it maybe over to Katie to let's uh, ask some of the uh, questions that we're seeing come through in the chat. So I like this one a lot. I think it's good again for our audience here today. Uh, you said, I went from getting a master's to pursuing a PhD, to joining a data analytics firm, to starting a small business, to joining a Fortune 500 company, to joining a tech startup. Your career isn't linear, life isn't linear. Yeah, I think we have a lot. Um, we like to compare ourselves. We think everyone's on this like linear path. And so you look to someone else and they're like, they've made this leap and this leap and this leap. and you don't quite, you never see like the step backwards they made or the step sideways. And you'd also, um, you know, it's easy to miss kind of those like super big steps that we take ourselves. 
And so what I was trying to illustrate with that tweet is one, uh, this didn't feel very linear. I didn't feel like everything was always a step up. And you could easily argue that my current role isn't a step up. You know, it's a step maybe sideways or different, or, or maybe it's a skip instead of a step, I, you know, whatever you want to define it. Um, but that, that life just doesn't always look that way. And it's kind of, and I'm sure we can all look back on this too. I'm sure we've all had that relationship that ended and that we were heartbroken about it. And looking back on it, it was the best possible thing to ever happen to us in terms of relationships. And that ended up being a really big step forward. But at the time, you didn't know it. So it's really hard to see all this stuff as it's happening. And it's a lot easier to see it in retrospect. And it's a lot easier to even know that like maybe that wasn't a step forward, but it turns out it put me on this different path that got me much faster and much further than I would have otherwise. So I think it's just an important way to always kind of take stock of what you're doing and always look at where you are. And, uh, you know, to know that no one's life, no one's career is linear. We're always, we're taking sideways, we're spinning around, we're going backwards. And sometimes we take giant jumps forward. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Katie, uh, you want to tee us up maybe a couple of questions from the chat that we're seeing? Sure. I'm scrolling through right now. I'll just start at the top with the first one. Um, have you found a balance in dedicating your resources to building your online brand and content and maintaining and developing your real life relationships? Oh, I, my fiance would have an issue with, <laughs> would have something to say about oh, that one. She's, oh. yeah, she's, a, she's an earshot right now. I'm sure she's wondering what I'm talking about. Uh, so it, it uh, the best way that I've been able to do this is to be very explicit, very transparent. And so there'll be times when I have, how about this? Let me rewind and tell you how I do it for my, how I, you know, build a personal brand is, Sometimes inspiration hits, sometimes an idea hits, and it is actually not just personal, it could be professional too. I might have an idea for the New York Stock Exchange or my new role at Fast or for myself. And I've found that if I have that inspiration, if I let it go, I kind of lose it forever. It's not like I can go tap that, uh, tap into it, you know, three hours or three days from now. It's like kind of now or never. And so I try to do that. And I used to do that without saying anything. I would just kind of pull out my phone, start typing some notes, and, uh, and honestly look kind of like an asshole. And it wasn't until I said, hey, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I just had this idea. I'm really passionate about getting out. Let me just write this. Give me like two minutes to like tap this out, and, and I'll, I'll go back to, to you. Um, and so that's the best way I, I found to do it. And I'm, again, I'm fortunate. I think this goes back to like, you know, uh, uh, be who you want to attract is that she's willing to put up with that. And it's a, it's a fair agreement that we both have that um, she understands that like, this has provided both of us interesting opportunities so that she allows me if I'm, you know, feeling particularly inspired to, to write about something uh, to do it. And she'll also be the first to say, are you writing about something right now? Or are you just like messing around on your phone? And I'll, you know, say guilty as charged and put my phone down. It's a good old fashioned communication. Imagine that. It, I know, right? Go, it go really figure. Works, guys, it really uh, it's it, what's so funny about it too. It's this: it, the more transparent you are about everything, 
Like literally, it's it's not just your relationships, but like we're right now part of the reason that we're got so much momentum behind us on fast is because our CEO kind of builds in public. He talks about his hiring practices. He talks about how he's building it. Uh, I talk about how we're building our social media. I literally say, hey, we're doing X, Y, and Z right now. I don't know if it's going to work, but this is our strategy right now. And so that transparency, that ability to just share what you're doing, people really appreciate it. And, uh, and you give people so much more uh, leeway when you know what they're thinking. And, uh, and also too, it just helps understand, like we, we, I think we make a lot more assumptions than people really realize. So uh, if I'm, you know, like, again, I'll just use my phone. Let's say I have this really good idea. I know it's gonna be this amazing campaign. I just need to write down these, you know, these words for 30 seconds. I don't, my fiance doesn't know what I'm doing. She might think that I just decided to get on Facebook and scroll and ignore her. And so unless you're communicating what's going on, people are making assumptions all the time. So it's why it's so important to like over communicate as opposed to under communicate. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm gonna kind of combine the next two. They're both from, um, from Ashley. So she asks, are there any quick tips for building up a new business social media presence? And then also with limited advertising budget, where should she put those dollars? So once she gets started, where should she be investing? Well, so it does depend on the, do you want to hop in and tell me what the industry is? Ashley, you want to? Hey, hi, Matthew. Um, going on almost one year of a CBD shop. And we're oh. Sorry, sorry, CBD store, Matthew. This has been great. Uh, going on a year now and opening up a second location. So all about CBD retail, retail CBD. I love it. What? So here's what I would do if I was in that industry is CBD is uh, so dependent on the brand uh, because you the the less unique your product is, and I'm not saying, you know, or I should say the, the easier it is to replicate your product, the more your brand matters. And so brands work really well visually. So my gut would be, I would double down on who our brand is, what we stand for. Like, are we CBD for stressed out moms? Are we CBD for students? Um, again, you want to get super, super niche and specific. And then brands are inherently visual, which is why Instagram is such a great place for brands. So figure out how do we come up with a visual identity that if someone sees what we post, they know it's ours, that they know it's us. And you got to do that over and over and over again. And so what I would do is I would pick a very specific customer that I want. And you don't have to do this, but let's just say it's, it's stressed out moms of five-year-olds and younger who now have uh, you know, kids at home all the time. You can now see how your messaging is going to change if that's your audience. You can see how easier, and also in a specific uh, geographical location. Uh, you can now see how uh, easier it is to target those people because you can just go through the advertising and, and hit them and you become a lot more consistent. And once you're, if you're able to nail down that audience, that's when you can kind of expand to, to other people. And again, I don't know where you are in your sales journey or, or where you are in your, you know, the demographics of the people that use your company. So take moms with a grain of salt. It, it could be anything, but that's, that's what I would do. And, and, and honestly too, I don't want to make it sound like organic can solve everyone's problems or solve all your problems. It's certainly going to have to be some paid component and it's going to boil down to that. Uh, do you need sales right now? And that's when you're going to do more of that performance marketing or 
can you do some of that more brand building marketing where you can uh, dedicate some budget for the next six months and then six months after that, really ramp up your performance marketing to, to see if it resonated and, and what you did worked and you can kind of cash in that equity. By the way, I love CBD. I take it before I go to bed. I sleep like a baby. Really weird, dream, really weird dreams though. Hey, if you're sleeping like a baby, I'll take a weird dream. So um, this is a similar question somewhat. So I'm going to ask it. it may, you may touch on the same things again. So how do you go from absolutely no social media presence to getting people to notice your business? If you don't have trained marketing employees or staff dedicated to it, like how do you go from nowhere to somewhere when it comes to social marketing? I'll give a really tough to hear answer. It's going to be really hard. It'd be like saying, how do I get, how do I do great accounting when I don't have an accountant? How do I, how do I get better at taxes when no one knows how to do taxes? Like it's just it, what you've got to do is so if you're running a small business and you've got a limited budget, you've really got to, and, and limited resources, limited time, all that stuff, everything's limited. Uh, what you've got to do is figure out where is my time and energy best spent? And so if you don't have the time, resources, or budget to allocate to social media marketing, it's probably not going to be the best place for you to allocate your time and resources. Um, you, you know, the best thing that you could probably do would be to find someone who is eager to kind of prove themselves in that domain and prove themselves in a marketing and have them be, have you be a bit of a mentor to that person and, uh, you know, get someone who's going to try new things and get someone who's going to take that under, but they're going to be learning with you. Like, to be honest, like, I, they, I do this full time and they pay me a lot of money to do it full time. And so there is no like simple shortcut, you know, like if you want really, really good social media and you don't have it, you have to hire someone. Uh, it's really just that simple. So, you, you know, like the, the best way to do it is to get someone young that is super passionate about social media or marketing or communications. And a little bit, you're gonna to have to hope you get lucky because you're gonna to have to hope that they're doing it right, that they're, that they're doing it well. Um, I would say if you were looking, if it were me and I was looking for someone who's young and uh, wants this kind of opportunity, I would find someone who follows me on Twitter because I think it's a self-selecting way to find out who is really interested in this and who's gonna try new things and who's gonna go uh, that, you know, that extra mile to, to make this content work. Um, it's not to say that that's the only place, but I'm willing to bet that if you just have the average person on the street who says they're interested in marketing or social media versus someone who in their free time is spending their day learning and discussing it, that the person who's spending their free time learning and discussing it is gonna be more likely to uh, have the skill set that you would need. Awesome, thank you, thank you. We got one more. Um, how would you recommend using social media for a company whose primary services are brick and mortar and business to business? Um, so I, so we're technically a B2B company right now. Technically I've only ever worked in B2B. New York Stock Exchange was B2B too. Um, and this one's B2B too. It doesn't cost a consumer anything to use fast. It just costs the businesses money to use it. Uh, what we do is we think very B2C. I just, it, I think I just defaulted that. I never really meant to do it, but it was still always kind of about the brand. It wasn't about talking, it wasn't talking about like, um, uh, you know, specific features. So I'll use the New York Stock Exchange as an example. Uh, there's two places in the United States primarily, there's other options, but 
it's mostly the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ where you list your stock if you go public. And there's two ways to market the New York Stock Exchange. So you could market it very uh, matter of factly in terms of like the differences between us and NASDAQ, which are we have traders on the floor, uh, we have we trade with less volatility, so your stock doesn't go up and down. It's more stable, and this ends up at the end of the and, and at so, and at the open of the market, it does this, and at the close of the market, it does that. And if you stick with us over you know the course of six years, that volatility results in whatever uh, uh, savings for you. And you can see that's a very practical way to advertise. I hated advertising that way. I hated those messages when I got told to do it. I wanted to show the facade and this giant banner dropping down with your logo. You've worked for 10 years building this company and you want to take it public where at the place where the, the world's best or America's best and greatest inventors and entrepreneurs took their companies public. It's here. You want to ring that bell. There's only one New York Stock Exchange bell. That's what you want to ring. You want to be on the floor with those traders. And so that's what I would try to sell. So it was really a consumer way to sell that stuff. So I would get into that the same way. We, 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 emotional appeals resonate with us. I don't know why we think that all of a sudden magically doesn't become the case when it turns into a business transaction, when it's a B2B thing. Now, certainly you're gonna have to talk about money and specifics like that, but that tends to be the more like, that, that's how you close the sale. That's how you, uh, you know, that's like a small part of the presentation. You, if you can get someone excited about your business and then, oh, bonus, we're the cheaper option or bonus, we're the, the more uh, professional option or that we have better results, like that's how you all of a sudden get them in. You want to, you got to get them emotionally and then seal the deal with that, those kind of B2B facts. I love that. Uh, Matt, cannot thank you enough for giving us uh, an hour of your time and an infinite amount of wisdom and expertise. Thank you, my friend. That was yeah. really great. Uh, thank you guys. And to be honest, I would not do this stuff. I'm very selfish. I would not do this stuff if I did not like it and get something out of it. I could sit and talk about my own tweets for five hours. So this was no problem. I'm uh, happy to do it. And if you guys ever have any questions or you want to uh, contact me, Twitter is probably the best way. My handle is just mkobach, so you can see my name right there. Uh, feel free to follow me, ping me, DM me, whatever. I'm happy to chat and ask, answer any questions to the best of my ability. Yeah, I can't recommend that enough, folks. Uh, every day I see something that Matt publishes there and, and really glean a lot of wisdom from it. It's, uh, it's a great follow. And don't forget to follow his company fast. That's just yeah. at F-A-S-T. Pretty easy to get a hold yeah. of. I, how about this? I do have one request in return. If you ever see the fast button on a website, just click it. It's going to be a way to purchase something. You'll have to sign up one time. But that's all I ask. Just click it if you ever see it. That's it. I think that's a fair deal. fair deal. Yeah, right? What a good deal. That is a good well, deal. You'll love it too. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I, I honestly, I really enjoyed it. So you got it, man. Uh, Thanks again. We sure do appreciate it, Matt. Uh, again, appreciate your willingness to come on and uh, offer us that time and uh, expertise. And folks, uh, as always, thanks for joining us here uh, at Access Tallahassee for another event. Don't forget to follow us on all of our channels so you can stay tuned to what we have coming uh, your way next. So. Thanks again for being with us, and we'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. Be well, everybody.